0: Rome Hudson, Breitbart News Entertainment Editor, author of the book Fifty Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump, sitting in for Breitbart News Editor in Chief Alex Marlowe. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. You probably won't find a city in America more to the left than San Francisco, and yet that city just booted three left wing school board members off of the school board in San Francisco. It's just the latest example of how parents are pushing back and cleaning house. The Democrats' Congressional Campaign Committee is in full-blown panic mode, why? Well, they're seeing serious signs that their defund the police, soft on crime, open borders, amnesty agenda has them heading for political ruin in November. They have no answers and Joe Biden can't help them because, well, his approval rating continues to circle the drain. We get into all of that and so much more. I want to start with this. It just seems like just about every day we're being presented with one more piece of evidence, just one more piece of the evidence that suggests or points to at least at the upcoming November elections will look something like an extinction level event for the Democrat party. But San Francisco voters overwhelmingly recalling three school board members uh, just about 48 hours ago is a huge deal it's a, it's a huge deal. I, I don't know how much time anybody under the sound of my voice has spent in the city of San Francisco, particularly recently in the last two or three years. But it's, it has been, uh, for, for many years and, and probably many decades, the type of city, uh, that, that is sort of the worst, uh, uh, example of what a very hive mind tunnel vision, close minded, uh, type of city could be, particularly when it comes to uh, the, the, the social pathologies uh, that in many cases have choked uh, that city in some of in some of its 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 most public uh, and prominent areas have just become riddled with homelessness and encampments. And you see actual physical signs of, you know, needle usage just Steps away from where children play on playgrounds. I think in my first book, Fifty Things They Don't Want You to Know, I, it was it was one of those throwaway lines that I put in that book, where my editor came back to me and was like, "You sure you don't want to elaborate on this more?" But it was in the homelessness chapter, and I was talking about how San Francisco has a population of homeless people three th- three times larger than a city like Houston, which has twice as many people overall it's Just like statistically san francisco is suffering uh from the worst types of social pathologies and it is one of the lib- most left-wing cities in the in the country any type of pie in the sky uh policy that any lawmaker whether it was on the city council in san francisco or 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 Nancy Pelosi because she represents that district. The mayor, anything that 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 a liberal city wanted to pass in terms of political policy, San Francisco and Los Angeles to many extents, but San Francisco is certainly uh, the the prime example of how none of it matters because it's the most left wing city in the country, probably in terms of political representation. And they got some of the worst issues. I just remembered the line being from like a San Francisco Chronicle headline that I put in my book. It's absolutely shocking that at at one point in 2020, San Francisco, and it may still be true today, had more drug addicts than it did kids enrolled in its public schools. Just a shocking statement uh, that there are just more drug addicts in one city than there are children enrolled in that city's public schools. But that is sort of an example of just the rut that San Francisco is. And when it comes to that city's schools, it's absolutely abysmal. And you can tell that it the situation had gotten so bad that the voters in that city, who probably don't agree with people listening to this show and this audience, and certainly the Breitbart audience, on very many issues. But this has been my my thinking all along, my logic and my wisdom on this. I try not to just, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves. We, none of us knows what November will look like, but this is just one more piece of evidence that when given the opportunity, people will take their frustration out at the ballot box with all of the cheating that I'm sure will always happen with every election. I just don't think that any of it will matter. I just think that there have been more people turned on to politics that never have been paid attention to politics. And I think the, the, the fact that children have been betrayed for so long, shut out of the classroom for two years, as the evidence was staring so many policymakers in the face. Ron DeSantis here in Florida in the fall of 2020 saying, it is clear that the people who are least likely to be threatened and harmed by this Chinese coronavirus are the young, particularly K through 12 children, like we need to get them in the classroom. And then that didn't happen in so many cities, like San Francisco. Uh, and so it's, it, it, to me, this is huge. This is really big. I know it's just, it's just a few city council members, uh, excuse me, school board members in the Unified School District of, of San Francisco, Um, But it was the head of the school board and it was the vice president of the school board and it was a landslide victory by a margin of three to four they got booted out it was a route it wasn't even close Um, changing the names of, of schools named after George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Um, I'm sure critical race theory was taught in these schools. I'm sure this transgender and queer ideology was taught in these schools, and it, and it played a huge role in, into this. I think they, they tried to create a diversity board, and th- there was like a, a homosexual couple uh, that was chosen for it, but then axed because one of the, the, the men in the relationship was a, was a white guy, wasn't diverse enough. It's huge stuff, and this also reminds me of the fact that the city of Seattle now has a Republican city attorney. Like, I I don't know, I may have to contradict myself, Seattle may actually be a more left wing city than San Francisco. I don't know, and I don't know if anybody in San Francisco or in Seattle who lived in either city is listening right now, but I'd love for you to chime in. Uh, I've never actually been to Seattle, and I and I um, am good friends uh, with Jason Matera, uh, and he's been there, his wife, uh, for many years. And I've always wanted to go to Seattle, but I've always just, just like, uh, it's too far. It's too far to fly. I actually wanted to, to go to Seattle when I was writing my first book because the city actually has, it's a left-wing city with the same issues as San Francisco, the homelessness, the crime. Chronic uh, uh, issues and in, in finances and taxes—you name it—it's all this. It's just it's a common denominator with long-term Democrat-run cities. They all have the same issues. And I—I I, I thought about the San Francisco school board members being routed, booted out because they're all crazy. Um, and I, I have to suspect that this is only the beginning. I think there will be a, 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 an avalanche of school board members, radical school board members, all across the country uh, being being booted out. I know there's a 1776 project, Ryan Jardusky up in New York, he's running it, he's getting behind school board members. <laughs> like that is, I think, the spirit and the heart of everything that Andrew Breitbart ever wanted. When we have the reverse Soros project, that is conservative constitutional minded people who love this country and love this country for the principles and the values that it was founded on putting money behind getting smart capable and competent moral people elected to school board seats I, I, there are there there are a few republican conservative billionaires out there and i can will not i will admit that i don't know where they're spending all their money but somebody is spending money to fund a project to get good people elected to school boards. It's an amazing thing to see, and I just want to remind people that we're just over a decade into the campaign that Andrew Breitbart started, creating citizen journalists. This sort of wide-ranging information campaign, turning people on to the fact that we are being fleeced, we are being hosed, and You know, I know maybe I talk about poll numbers too much on these airwaves and maybe I don't talk enough about how when people are given the opportunity to kick bad people out of office, it happens. And when it happens in a city like San Francisco, which is still, I think, an amazing city, but is being corrupted and suffocated by the results of Democrat policies. It's a, it's a one party city in a near one party state. And it is not a surprise to me that the situation has gotten so bad, regardless of politics, that people are tired of it. I, I just, you can't come after people's kids. And, and the, 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 the liberal left in this country, the Democrat Party in this country, is doing that. They're going after your children in the worst way. Again, we'll we'll get into some of the gory, and I do mean gory details with Emma Joe um, about what's happening in private schools. <laughs> private school parents are realizing that their children are basically being, being exposed to their young children are basically being spawned to exposed to pornography in the classroom. And this stuff is grotesque. And I gotta tell you, it creeps me out a little bit to talk about it. I remember, Going into the details about the the books that were in Virginia school libraries, just just man on man sex stuff right there in the books, and I'm just like, this is creepy stuff. It's creepy for me, a 36 year old single uh, uh, male. <laughs> like, and I'm no prude, so it's it's amazing stuff. And you know, it, it when you know things are bad when we have to hear. Joe Scarborough, I, I do believe his first name is Joseph, but producer Haley tells me it's Joe. When Joe Scarborough is actually saying something that 90% of the country agrees with. That's how you know we're in trouble. Cut 10.
1: The headline here is, this is happening in San Francisco, in one of the most progressive cities in America. And you have parents, uh, and this is a clear warning, we saw it from Virginia, we can now say, you know... From Norfolk to San Francisco, you had parents uh, in the Virginia election uh, enraged that schools were shut down for too long, that there was too much distance learning. They were talking about critical race theory, which, of course, uh, we've heard is not taught and Virginia schools. But still, you're hearing the same thing about a rebellion. And I've I've been saying this for a couple of years. People get really angry. Some people uh, in their mom's basement on Twitter get really angry, uh, (laughs) and and, and tweeting out the, how dare you, talk about woke politics. It really, it pisses off liberals. It pisses off liberals as much as it pisses off conservatives. Woke politics. Is actually really hurting Democratic candidates, and you take that, and you take uh, what again? Asian Americans um, and 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 the, the feelings that that you know they're they're actually being preyed upon, uh, not just physically and violence, but also politically. Uh, and it it was a toxic mix and uh, a, a very liberal city throughout three. Progressive board members, and it wasn't even close.
0: No, yeah, well, wasn't even close. Uh, so you know, and the results of elections like the one in Virginia um, that that I still think maybe we just are underappreciating and undervaluing, and that's understandable because um, you know it's 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 one state, and it's an off. It happened in an off election year, um, but the results are coming in. In a steady stream of it, uh, so you had the. Uh, I, I think you could still say newly em- elected governor of, of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin. Um, he signed um, uh, a legislation, executive order, I believe it was uh, yesterday, uh, striking down the the mass uh, mandates in schools. Uh, we have some audio from that. Be cut fourteen
2: states and parents picking sides on how to best protect kids in schools. Illustrated by what happened just while we've been on the air here in the last couple minutes. Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin, you see him here, signing a bill in Virginia to ban mask mandates in schools. That is now the law. Here
1: he is. Today we are reestablishing and restoring power back to parents. but We are also establishing our expectations that we will get back to normal.
0: There you go. There you go. It's, uh, I don't think Glenn Youngkin is sort of like a a rocked rib conservative. I would not be shocked if Glenn Youngkin didn't have the Breitbart News app on his phone four years ago, right? But I think that he's pretty solid here, at least so far. And in Virginia, um again it's 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 a state where just a handful of very blue counties highly populated control the, the 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 elections and control the direction of of elections and it none of this stuff matters anymore people are just fed up i think a lot of people have been awakened to awakened to the fact that th- they just had bad people running their lives, making very important decisions about them, about their businesses, how they could run their businesses, if they were able to financially expand their businesses, and certainly the education of their children. Tangentially, this headline from Breck and Theus of Breitbart News, Virginia judge strikes down Loudoun County uh, school mask mandate effective immediately. So you're getting it from both sides in terms of freedom. A Loudoun County, Virginia judge struck down the mask mandate imposed by Loudoun County School Board Wednesday evening, immediately allowing students to attend class without masks. I have not heard a clear and articulate and specific argument for masks for K through 12 schools. I just haven't heard a doctor, uh, an epidemiologist, a virologist, anyone. I, I just haven't heard any quote unquote expert. Give a clear articulation of why children should remain masked in school, but I have seen data to the contrary of how it is a, a ruining the capability of of small, particularly young children, to be able to learn. I have had more conversations at this point than I can remember, more conversations than I can remember with teachers in my life who themselves are devastated, almost literally, just this weekend. Uh, I was at a, a a local bar here in downtown Jacksonville talking to two teachers, of uh, uh, um, who who like we don't even have the mass mandate. They don't even have the mass mandates, but they still have to do some form of social distancing. Like this stuff is crushing children. It's also crushing students. And if you're a teacher and you just happen to live in Loudoun County, oh, 24 hours ago where you still had to try to teach a child through a paper mask that, wasn't, that wouldn't even be protecting them from the virus to begin with. So this is good. This is just great. And this victory in court came because people are fighting back, and they fought back in a lawsuit, Brecken reports, that saw the administration of Governor uh, Youngkin join forces with parents against the school district of Loudoun Counties. Uh, So you had Loudoun County Circuit Court Judge James Fisher decided to grant an emergency injunction in the mandate after weighing arguments from parents, plaintiffs, counsel, and Attorney General uh, Jason Mures. So he just got elected and he's also kicking butt. So if we're following the science, uh, then then, the kids not wearing the mask makes a lot of sense. I want to get into this internal Democrat polling commissioned by the Congressional Campaign Committee. This from Window Hasibo Breitbart News revealed that Republicans are winning the nation's culture war heading into the November midterm election. So the DCCC, uh, which is headed by Congressman Patrick Maloney, who I believe the last time I was on the airwaves reported to you, the guy who runs the DCCC, so many C's, he, the the Congress, the Democrat congressman that runs the Democrat operation that is supposed to help Democrats get elected is actually losing his reelection campaign. So this report, you know, they gave it to the idiots, the clowns over there at Politico. Cause this is, this is a horrible report. This is internal document report indicating that the GOP Republicans have been successful warning that Democrats are attempting to defund the police and quote, open voters and are reminding voters, of the Democrats' plans for amnesty, threatening the Democrats' chances of retaining the House in November, according to Politico. So the report characterized Republican messaging on those issues as, quote, alarmingly potent, end quote. So Democrats like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was talking about in New York defunding uh, that city's police budget by a billion dollars. You had uh, Congress... Congresswoman uh, Cori Bush, you had Ayanna Pressley, you had all the squad members, and they just keep growing in numbers talking about defunding police in the middle of one of the most violent crime raves of our generation. These Democrat politicians, some of them actually hiring private security for themselves while pushing for fewer police officers and first responders in your neighborhood. And Republicans, because as stupid as that party can be, were smart enough to actually glom on to those Democrat messages that were literally harming uh, voters. And they just promoted it. Hey, look, here are Democrats saying that they wanna defund your neighborhood while your neighborhood is being overrun by criminals. And the smart people at the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee are, I mean, they're pulling their hair out. I, I had suspected that this was happening because we were getting leaks about infighting with messaging. Uh, Democrats didn't have anything to run on in terms of like agenda wins <laughs> from Biden. Uh, these local congressional uh, Democrats running uh, for reelection. They literally have nothing to go on except for like infrastructure, whatever the hell that was that Joe Biden signed into law a couple months ago. They got nothing. And what, and what and they got nothing positive in the in the negative things that they have are the fact that Joe Biden on the campaign trail was talking about opening the borders. Like I'm I'm gonna send a message that they are welcome here. It's basically what Joe Biden said during a debate. <laughs> I mean, so surprise, surprise, while these numbers haven't been released by Department of Homeland Security, January, 2022 saw the border encounters of 153,941 people. January 2021 had 78,000 encounters. Just a year later, we're up to over 153,000. And in, in, in January of 2020, it was 36,000 encounters. Migrants released into the United States, January 2020, two? 62,573. And so it is not shocking to me, although it is heartening to see the internal documents for the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee showing that they're screwed and they're screwed and they did it to themselves. They were the party, the Democrat Party of Open Borders and defunding the police and amnesty. And and now it's they're they're in trouble. They're in serious trouble. I'm calling it. I'm calling November, I'm saying it'll be something that looks like an extinction-level event for the Democrat Party. I don't know how they come back from this. I don't think they deserve to. I'm just glad that they're being exposed, finally, for being the dangerous uh, organization that they are. Instead of ignoring the Republicans actually telling people that the Democrats are responsible for the crime. In your neighborhood, that they are responsible for an unknown number of illegal aliens running all over the country, being released, being Ubered, picked up, bus, dropped off, flown in, and under the cover of darkness. That's all Democrats. Um, they, they, that Democrat DA is like Alvin Bragg in Manhattan. He, he's responsible for yet another woman slain, not with a gun, like Joe Biden warned us about. We got to get the guns off the street. That's how stupid they think people are. You had a woman in the prime of her life gutted by a man who had been arrested almost a dozen times. This all falls on Democrats. When people die in these heinous and egregious ways, you can almost certainly track it back to a decision that a Democrat somewhere made. Another community in mourning, Christina Yuna Lee, police arrested a man who was found at the scene covered in blood. This dude obviously should not have been on the streets. If you see the video of him being perk walked, you can, you can just tell, as grainy as the video is, that this guy is suffering from mental health issues. He had been arrested eight times since last May and has five prior felonies. If we build jails and prisons for any reason, this guy seems like one of them. And I don't say that lightly. I, I actually sat down at a, a sheriff's neighborhood crime watch meeting yesterday afternoon where the newly minted assistant chief, Charles Shivers, I live in downtown Jacksonville, so he, his zone is right here in my neighborhood, talked about how he won't have it and Sheriff Mike Williams here in Jacksonville won't have it. They're just not putting up with this type of crap. It's the 11th largest city in the country, Jacksonville, Florida. And they are sweeping up encampments, homelessness. We don't have this type of crime that New York City has. The point is, New York City shouldn't have this type of crime. But somebody thought that it was a smart idea to elect Alvin Bragg, district attorney in Manhattan. He had a lot of sweet, sweet Soros money that helped him get elected. Just like the, the DA in Philadelphia and that idiot in Cook County in Chicago, uh, in, in, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco. I mean, you name it. But the blood is on the Democrats' hands. This is so sad to see, because this stuff could have been mitigated. Like, people are dying, and they shouldn't have to. And I guess the only thing we could, you know, just sort of be optimistic about is that November is coming. And as November comes, we're getting evidence in cities like San Francisco that that even even the voters there, who, again, probably would disagree with this audience 90% of the time, they've had it. This is Breitbart News Daily, Jerome Hudson filling in for Alex Marlowe. Stay with us. We were joined on the program today Emma Jo Morris, Breitbart News politics editor, Emma Jo brought more gory details to light about how private school teachers are pumping pornography on pre-K children inside the classrooms and they're doing it in secrecy, hiding it from parents. The videos of teachers teaching about how having a penis doesn't necessarily make you a boy and how having a vagina doesn't necessarily make you a girl are shocking and Emma Jo has the goods that every parent should know. We also discussed how New York City Mayor Eric Adams continues to prove himself to be the radical leftist Democrat mayor that we all knew he'd end up being. He's chastising white New York City reporters, many of whom voted for him, for asking him tough questions. And Eric Adams is suggesting that they're only doing so because he's black. Let's roll that. Emma Jo, welcome back.
2: Hey, Jerome, thank you so much for
0: having me on. This is important journalism, um, and I think we saw news just a couple days ago about why the, the journalism that you're doing exposing the deviance that is actually happening in the classroom, and in this case, in private classrooms, we saw evidence of, of, of the end result of that, I think, in San Francisco, when, when parents and the general public are educated on just how awful the course curricula is in their in their kids' classroom. Um, it, it turns into results in that people uh, in positions of power, particularly school board members, people who have power and control over that curricula uh, are booted out of office. You um, have more details on this project that you've been on here for some time now your lead is private schools across the country are training teachers to expose kids as young as four years old to sexually explicit content in secrecy without parents is knowledge directed by the national association of independent schools as part of a quote, queer, inclusive, end quote, curriculum. Break this down for us. Uh, everything that you, that you've reported here, the, the videos, the photos, uh, give us, give us the latest.
2: This story is crazy. It is explosive, especially because we have all of the the footage of them actually saying this and saying it so casually and with conviction. Like there's nothing wrong with what they're saying, and they're saying it just matter of factly. Some of the quotes are just disgusting. It's disgusting. Teach kids in pre-K about, quote, their bodies, penises and vaginas, quote, what they feel like inside. Do they feel like a boy or a girl? We're talking about four-year-olds. And this is the National Association of Independent Schools. This is the Accreditation Association for Private Schools across this country. They are giving teaching materials at their flagship conference to teachers all over the country, telling them this is how to teach children. And these, this is the, the organization that accredits these schools. So they obviously take their advice. I mean, this is where they get their staff of approval, essentially, as private schools and as good private schools. Um, you know, there's also another section that's, that's so disturbing called um, what they call Puritan speak. That's a quote, yes. um, which, is, which is how uh, they might be received by parents who are hearing about this uh, curricula. And it's... Um, Some quotes are, that's my job. Uh, They're not ready. Uh, They're too young. It's too much too soon. They could lose their innocence. This is called Puritan speak. This is like just basic inquiry by a parent of a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old being taught about sex. And uh, that's obviously a derogatory term, Puritan speak. It's derogatory. And uh, the fact that these teachers think that they have the right to, uh, to the rearing of children uh, independently of their parents, and the fact that they think that they have the right to conceal that from parents and dismiss parental concern is, uh, is you know, it's almost mo- more outrageous than the content itself.
0: One of the things that jumped out at me was the fact that parents, your report, have been barred uh, by many of the NAIS-accredited schools across the country, from involvement or knowledge in this hypersexualized curricula being shoved down their four-year-olds' throats, I, 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 if if you're reporting that they have a national conference, that these teachers are given this material, it's disseminated to them, uh, you know, ostensibly, I guess, to take back to their schools. If if they're going out of their way and they have this infra- infrastructure and this pipeline to get this information to the teachers, then why the secrecy? Why not involve parents? Why not expose parents to what their children are being exposed to? I mean, I think the, 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 the answer is pretty obvious. Um, but the, but that, that, that seems to be a view, Emma, into why this is deviant. They're trying to keep it from parents for a reason.
2: Oh, yeah. And so this is something that I also touched on in my first story in this series. I have a series going for anybody that is listening right now that hasn't seen it on Breitbart. um, That is I'm working in collaboration with a network of uh, undercover mothers across the country who um, are not able to speak out because it also says in enrollment contracts that they're not allowed to speak publicly against any school policy or any school, uh, you know, any element of the school curriculum. Um, so, so they have spoken to me under condition of anonymity. I obviously know their identity, but I can't publish their identity for fear of retribution. And um, they have supplied me with documents that are just blood-curdling. And so part of what I touched on in my first story was the teachers and the schools will basically tell kids, your parents have a retrograde view of the world. Your parents don't understand progressive thinking. Your parents are essentially part of the problem that we're teaching you to fight. And they may uh, undermine what we're teaching you here, but that's just because of all those reasons. So this progressive sex situation is the same, where they'll say, you know, parents don't understand and kids have the right to choose their own gender identity and have it be acknowledged in school without their parents' knowledge or permission. And this is written explicitly, I I published this in my most recent story, this is written explicitly in school contracts, that parent guardian approval will not be a prerequisite for respecting a student's gender identity. And the school shall accept the gender identity. Each student asserts there is no medical or mental health diagnosis or treatment threshold that students must meet. So basically they're saying, that they can tell your four-year-old um you know your head and your genitals might not match in terms of your perception of your gender and your biological gender and then when they're eight and they decide that that is how they feel on that day that they can start presenting themselves and being acknowledged as another gender in school without their parents knowledge and that the school will not notify the parent but will go along with that
0: I mean, I'm um, sorry
2: but when I was 6 I thought I was a lion.
0: Sure. No. I, I remember being like 6 or 7 years old saying, that I can't wait to have a boyfriend." And then yeah. you know, a year later I had a girlfriend. Like it,
2: this, this the thing you, is like this is so beyond this is so inappropriate. Like that's yeah. why, you know, at, we've all been that age and we've all <laughs> experienced that ourselves. You don't have to have kids to understand how ridiculous and and inappropriate and and uh deranged this is kids don't have a concept yet right. of identity they're right. kids and they they think they are they're anything from an animal to an imaginary thing to whatever comes up in their head that day and so the fact that you're telling them this is your identity and that you have um you know a, you know i mean gender dysphoria is a medical problem and the fact that they're telling children that they can essentially self-diagnose with gender dysphoria And all of this can go on without their parent or guardian knowing about It's just really insidious. It's really dangerous. And it's really hard for kids who already struggle, as we all do, with um, self-actualization.
0: Yes. Melissa Harris Perry, who I believe at the time was still like a professor when she cut that ad for MSNBC. I think it ran like eight years ago. In the MSNBC ad, she was talking about how children don't belong to parents. Just listening to you. A few minutes ago, I remembered Al Gore, I think it was 2009, he was giving some speech to like 12 year olds and was like, y- you know things your parents and older people don't know, like like don't listen to your parents. This has been a th- the thinking on the American left for many years. I think what's what's really egregious about this, and you touched on this, is like when people drop their children off, they don't expect and they certainly don't want their children to have pornography pushed on them. And if you take your child to a private school, you're doing it for a reason. You don't want your child to go to the public school. I was educated in public schools in Savannah, Georgia. I think they did a pretty good job. And I have to tell you, I'm 36 and nothing. I remember biology class being 16 in the 10th grade. Nothing came close to this. This is such a betrayal of the trust, the, 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 the pact between the parent and the educational institution and the fact that this is happening in private schools and it is so institutionally ingrained through the entire strata of the private school apparatus in this country, it's such it's such a huge betrayal of trust. Now, I, again, I think that is well, what is behind yeah. the rage that we're seeing with so many that's of exactly these recalls. Right. that's
2: that's exactly right and listen these women that i'm speaking to these undercover mothers they are a network across the country i'm talking to women who are in the west coast the east coast the south i'm talking to people in georgia in new york city in california okay Hmm. these are not politically ideological people these are not even necessarily political people they're definitely not necessarily republicans in fact, like I said, I said this on with Alex as well. I spoke to a Democratic mega donor. Wow. And, like these people are, are just at the end of the day, they're just moms who are alarmed and concerned and mortified with what is going on in their schools. And ultimately, they're American citizens. You know, they, they mm-hmm. care about their autonomy and their agency and they care about their children and child rearing and their independence. And that's part of the reason, I suppose, why they're sending the kids to private schools in the first place, you know, is the illusion of more control, or that's supposed to be the premise, right? So, so, you know, this is not, this is, this is totally not political. It's totally not controversial. It's exactly what you said. It's, it's, this is schools jumping the shark. It's schools taking way more access than they, than they have been granted. And, and it's, um, just alarming for any normal person. Okay, like these some of these women have maxed out to Obama, they've maxed out to hmm. Hillary. This is not some sort of right wing conspiracy, it's not some sort of right wing talking point. This is common sense Americans trying to take control of their lives.
0: Emma Jo Morris, uh, Breitbart News politics editor, joining the program right now. I think probably what most people listening to the sound of our voice right now, Emma Jo, are wondering what they can do. Um, if 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 they know or maybe if they don't even know, uh, if their child who's probably sitting in a private school classroom right now is being exposed to this, is there any avenue by which people might take um, to question the National Association of Independent Schools? And if they're alarmed by the answers that they get in terms of what the curricula is, is there anything that the parents can do to sort of push back, fight back on this?
2: listen, these schools have these parents in a headlock. They have uh, language in their in their um, enrollment contracts that say that parents cannot question the curriculum. That is explicit and it's stated, and if you do it, your child can be expelled. They um, are in a really precarious position. So listen, if There is a private school or any parent listening that feels like they have been held hostage by their school. They should read our work on Breitbart.com. They should reach out. My email address is listed in the article, at the bottom of the article. Reach out and talk to me and tell me who you are. Or you don't even have to do that. Just reach out and I will put you in connection with these mothers. There is support. There are other people out there who are like-minded, who are feeling this assault on themselves and their children. And who are trying to do something about it? And I think the best way at this point, because of the language in these contracts, the only way to go is to exert public pressure, is to expose what's going on, is to expose what this is, which is child abuse, and to and to try to to change things that way. And you can do that, maintaining your anonymity and not destroying, uh, you know, your your child's opportunity at this time when when there really are no options.
0: Um. It, yeah, that I, I think uh, some lawyers should probably be involved. I mean, I, I I haven't seen any of these contracts, but I have to believe that there are some legal minds out there that that can maybe find a loophole somewhere to free up these parents and give them an opportunity to fight back. Um, let's switch gears here a little bit. Um, I do think that you have the distinct pleasure of living in New York. Uh, and you know, or, 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 or at least, real
2: pleasure <laughs> that's
0: a joke, it's a joke from a guy who lives in a free city in a free state down here in, in the <laughs> Sunshine State uh, but so I, I, I my instincts, my gut on um, Mayor Adams was, I, I just didn't think he was anything new and in fact just listening to his speeches I thought that he was basically something old, just sort of a relic of you know the the american left um and it just seems like every other day he's giving more evidence to, to prove me right at least um he said i'm a black man that's the mayor but my story is being interpreted by people who don't look like me we got to be honest about that um diversity uh, diversify your newsrooms so i can look out and see people who look like me Uh, Adams told uh, a a room full of reporters just a couple days ago, if this is how this is going to be, I'm just going to come in and do my announcements and bounce. Why am I even answering these questions? And it happens over and over and over again. So um, he's he's basically, I guess, taking a page out of Lori Lightfoot, Chicago Mayor's book by chastising a room that I guess has too many white journalists asking him questions. Like the the chilling effect of this is is pretty amazing for a couple reasons. I I I have to imagine that some of those white journalists that this black mayor of New York City is chastising because they're white probably voted for him. Um, It's it's got to be it's got to be pretty awkward. Um, But aside from that, I mean, this is this is kind of a small scale. He's a mayor of I guess the largest city in the country. But like what like the journalist's job is to question authority. Um, and if he's playing the race card here, I mean, it's absolutely cowardly, but like w- w- what's the what's the white journalist in the room supposed to do? I mean go and get a get a tan. I mean I, <laughs> this is amazing. yeah, no,
2: honestly, this is so first of all, it's so cheap. okay. Yeah. M- Eric Adams knows that. He is, the journalists that are covering him are completely ideologically in lockstep with him, first of all. They voted for him. (laughs) First of all, Uh. well, in the general election, absolutely. Yeah. They voted for him. Um, This is a common problem. This is an open secret in New York City where newsrooms struggle because they can't find anybody in local talent that has any sort of ideological transgression whatsoever from each other. So, so the fact, like, what does okay these people all agree with eric adams if anything he knows that he is able to uh, violate as he has so far almost every single one of his campaign promises and they will not say a single word and the fact that he's going there is kind of like it it's mind-blowing to think about really because he's getting away with so much eric adams ran and won on a platform of no nonsense tough on crime. He ran and won on a platform uh, in support of working people and representing working people in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, in Queens. Those are the people that put him over the top in the primary, yeah. which allowed him to obviously cruise through the general. Uh, he has totally abandoned that mission. He has basically given crime uh, a crime plan that's verbatim to de Blasio's. Uh, he has done absolutely nothing to advocate for the working people who, for example, are vaxxed at a very low rate. He's maintained the vax mandates, He's maintained the medical segregation in New York City. And he has not been called out for a single thing by these journalists because they all agree with it. And they yeah. agree with him and they agree with the hard left turn that he's taken while he's in office. So the fact that he can now turn around and say, I'm just going to bounce. Uh, you guys aren't giving me a fair shake. It's like, no, in in a real world, in a real uh, critical press, you would be getting grilled right now. But they don't, and they probably partly don't because of the race angle, that which I completely disregard. I don't regard somebody's race in any way, shape, or form when I'm doing reporting. I don't see how it's relevant. It's Maybe crazy. that makes me... Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, old school, but I refuse to acknowledge somebody's race when I'm talking about that. Makes
0: talking you not a racist. Race. You're not a bigot. <laughs> uh, well,
2: I've heard that, that, that that's now a faux pas, but, but I just can't change my ways. Right. <laughs> but, you know, these journalists that we're talking about, they absolutely do take race into account uh, somehow. I don't know how, but that is something they think about and talk about on a daily basis if you read the New York Press. Uh, so the fact that he said that is just kind of mind boggling. And he should, he should, he should enjoy the good treatment he gets. <laughs> it,
0: uh, it, it, look, I mean, I, I didn't get too deeply into this, but this Christina Yona Lee, um, you know, this woman in the prime of, of her life is literally gutted, um, you know, in what she probably expected to be a safe place, her, her, her apartment uh, in New York city. I, I, I I, this stuff breaks my heart and you said it like how many times is just Eric Adams running on a tough on crime policy but like has he even called out Alvin Bragg you you, you we're getting statistics and analytics now finding that you know a, a, almost a quarter of the criminals released on no cash bail policies are committing violent crimes when they get released even though the governor of your state couldn't couldn't actually uh, you know say that. Of, of course she has the same data in front of her. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, he's only been in office for six weeks. Um, but I don't actually see a discernible difference between him and de Blasio. And in fact, in, in maybe in some ways, the situation's worse.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, of course. And I mean, I was working with the New York Post before Breitbart, and we had stories. I mean, we had a story where a guy was literally saying, as he was being arrested, it's fine, I'm going to be out in a couple hours. Wow. Like, criminals are aware of the policy. They're emboldened by the policy. Eric Adams knows the problem. So does Kathy Hochul. So does the DA. They know the problem, but they're too, they're held hostage by a progressive media, as I said. They know that they won't be held accountable for any of this. They know that nobody except Breitbart and, and the New York Post maybe is, is calling them out on it. And uh, and And they are ideologues at the end of the day and it's really sad to see that from Eric Adams because he's a former cop and he really was talking the talk in the primary. He uh-huh. really had people believing in in many circles in New York that things were going to change and not only is his platform now not discernible from de Blasio, but he's coming out talking about explicit lyrics and how we should crazy. you know, deal with that and how that's implemented. it's like He's, he's worse than about He's like Tipper Gore. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, who is? What is going on? It's, it's pretty it's wild. It's really crazy, and it's like Nero just fiddling as Rome burns, and yeah. it's bad because, listen, New York City, I come from Canada. It was always such a dream to live in New York City. It's like the capital of capitalism and success. It's the crown jewel of America, in my opinion, and we had a real opportunity with this new administration to really clean it up and bring it back to its former glory and not have young women like like this most recent case being murdered in her apartment. And that is just a shame. And it's a shame that this city is going in that direction because it has so much potential. And, you know, so many people love it and want it to do well. And, and, but the leaders at the end of the day, if you don't, if they don't love it, yeah. then here we are.
0: I I will leave the safe enclave of Jacksonville, Florida, and I will be in New York City in a few weeks. And I I don't know. I, I guess I have to find my VAX card and a bulletproof vest. Apparently, uh, I don't think I'll be able to to bring my firearm uh, with me up there. But uh, I'm I'm depending you don't even on get you.
2: Pepper spray, Jerome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, well, I I think a bear spray, which is which is stronger. Uh, I'm depending on you to keep me safe. Uh, yes. know, I,
2: I'll I, keep you in my enclave of North Williamsburg where, uh, I, I appreciate where we still it. have a, a little bastion of space.
0: Emma Joe, always a <laughs> pleasure. Um, keep up the good work. Everyone, find Emma Joe's byline uh, at Breitbart News. She's uncovering uh, the, 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 a mass grooming campaign on on America's children in the, in the private classroom. Emma Joe, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so much.
0: This is Breitbart News Daily. We'll take a break here and be back. Of the day is Steve in Atlanta. Steve said he's happy to see an explosion of industry in Georgia's capital city, but he's also worried about the chronic crime suffocating the city. We discuss how the persistent problem of crime in Atlanta will only be fixed when voters wake up and do something about it.
3: I live about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. I choose to live out of the city, but I have to drive up through the city. I work in the city, so I'm in the city all the, you know, every day. And I, I yeah. Think- setting the, the tone there but i know we talk a lot about the crime in new york we talk a lot about the mechanics of how the city's has ran and Ooh. something i see and i'm a little bit uneducated in how the city runs as a business for say <clears throat> but in atlanta right now we're seeing a massive development you couldn't put another tower crane midtown you couldn't you know buckheads trying to
0: uh-huh.
3: rebuild and come out of the slum it's turned into um, we're seeing this massive development multifamily family communities the, the amount of money that's being given back to the city in just a form of permits Yeah, has to be in the top 10 in this nation. Yet oh, yeah. we're seeing probably one of the worst road systems, one of the worst infrastructures. You know, I'm in construction. I own a restaurant in Heard County as well, but my primary source is, is construction. So we see all the money going in. We see zero protection for the new communities there. We're putting these communities in places south of Old Turner Field, you know, and I think that's money trying to, to better the city. But You still wouldn't want to walk down the street there, brother. It's it's crazy. The the roads are awful.
0: It's nuts. I remember Bannon had me write a piece. And so this would have been New Year's going into 2016. and, And my piece was a look back on 2015. And I remember writing in that it was basically about carnage and Democrat run cities. And Atlanta had about. Two paragraphs, because if you look at the history of the city, it's it's like too many big major metros in the country. It's just it's been Democrat mayor, at the Democrat mayor, Democrat city council at the Democrat city council. And in each of those administrations, the policing has been about as bad as the, the politics of the city. Which isn't to say that the police in Atlanta are bad, but the the, 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 the statistics, the crime stats on the ground are only going to be as good as the leadership you have. And again, like I have relationships with the people here in Jacksonville, an, a major city, and, and they're just clear examples between good political leadership and good policing. And Atlanta has suffered from that chronically. And I've written that piece about, you know, chronic issues in Democrat-run cities for years now, and it's all—it's the same. I write the same article every time, and in Atlanta is no different. I think you had, like, a city... Was it Buckhead that was trying to emancipate itself from the rest of the city because, because of a major issue it, like... It crime? is now. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it is now, and, and hopefully they do for the sake of, you know, one of the next projects we're working on is smack in the middle of Buckhead there, and Buckhead, and, and you, you're familiar with it. Man, sure. Buckhead has turned into... A terrible place. I hate yeah. to say it that way. And, no, I, you know, they're I, wanting to, like you said, emancipate, <laughs> get away from, I don't follow the politics of Atlanta too much, Jerome, yeah. but I did pay attention during the mayor race because we've seen, right. you know, again, I'm in it every day. Um, I'm not a big gun guy, but I can promise you, I don't drive to Atlanta without one in my my console. It's you know probably I mean? smart, so I kind of I pay attention to that.
0: Now, the muggins, you know, an issue.
3: bottoms was was she was heading out, and there was this mayor. I didn't Alicia something. I mean, again, I don't pay attention too much yeah. to the politics of it. But she was winning, and then all of a sudden, overnight, here comes a another gentleman, and now there was a runoff. And her first issue she was going to deal with was start at the top and figure out where the corruption in the in the city government is, figure out where the money's going and then get back to policing and she was in it and all of a sudden somebody else came in and he wins the run yeah
0: andre dickens he he, he he just he just flowed right up from the city council uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's a revolving crazy. door of of, of <laughs> idiocy. And I know I my my nephew who has been red-pilled probably because of me. I mean, but he he grew up there. I've spent uh, countless probably years of my life in Atlanta. I'm not intimately involved, but it's just there's there's there are a lot of ties to it. So my nephew who's actually 2 years older than me, my nephew is. He's at a charter school now. You know, he used to teach at MLK uh, down there in Southwest Atlanta, and he doesn't anymore. And and he and his wife they moved out of of, of the neighborhood. I mean, they're black. It, it it permeates race and all of that. They just want a better life for them for themselves and their children, their growing family. And and it's one of those things though. With development and with the revitalization of cities, and Atlanta was already a mass metro, so it's it's kind of insane that it's still exploding. You will get more police resources, but the allocation of those resources, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard, but I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just feel like I live in a large city, 11th largest city in, in, the, in the country, and, like, there is crime in Jacksonville, but it is certainly not at the level of cities that are, like, two and three times smaller in terms of population. Now, I, don't, I don't think they figured it out here. You know, just like have a that the the magic wand that Barack Obama joked about. It's just good politi- political leadership. Like there's nonsense that that can happen, even with homelessness. You know, as complicated as the issue is, because I got to tell you, if they're they're probably addicted to drugs, and if they're not, they probably suffer from a mental illness. And in many cases, you're dealing with people who who have both. But again, the police leadership have implemented policies, plans. They've gotten funding right here locally, but also from the governor, DeSantis, to to have healthcare professionals riding along eight hours a day, every day, with an officer, responding to issues in which you have a homeless person. The, the, The healthcare professional, the mental health professional is right there. They have success stories. And it's not like it's sad that, that local police have to deal with an issue of homelessness that has been a crater in our country for a half century. <laughs> it's not the job of Jacksonville Sheriff's Office to deal with this. They're just getting the, the brunt of the, of, the, of the pain. I got American parts.
1: I got American faith. In America's heart.
0: And that is the show. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast and Breitbart News. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening.